Hebrews chapter 11, a favorite chapter for many believers, chapter known as the Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Praise be to God. The definition of faith is given here. Most of us have memorized it. Faith is the substance of things that we don't have, things hoped for. More than a wish, it's something that is of substance because of God's word. There's a holding on, there's a support structure, there's a foundation where because God said it, I can stand on that. It's concrete. And that concrete structure that we lean upon and stand upon is because of the Word of God. No wonder the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that faith is the evidence of things that we don't see. We can hope for things but then we can believe for things. Hope and faith are connected, but not exactly the same thing. Otherwise, there would be no distinct words to describe each of them. Hope that is seen is not hope. And yet faith sees things that are not there as if they are there. With the human imagination, human willpower, we can will to believe certain things, but without the word of God and the promise of God, there's no guarantee. Abraham believed God when he said, you will have children like the stars you see when he didn't have even one child through his wife Sarah. God gives us hope. He brings hope. God is a God of hope, but he's a God of faith also. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All of us have things we're hoping for, big breakthroughs and blessings, turning of the tide. Things that are against us. We bring hope against those things. Abraham believed. Against hope, he believed. Are the things that were against hope, hopeless situations, He brought in faith because of God's word. We are called to continue to trust God and believe God, regardless of what stands against us. And this is how the elders, their testimony was shining. 
they obtained a good testimony because they believed in a barren wilderness that God would bring promised springs. Who can do it but God? They believed in the God who can do the impossible when things seem very much opposed to everything God has been saying. Why do people continue to go to church? Various reasons. But the right reason should be to seek the Lord and to worship Him. And in order to seek the Lord and worship Him in an acceptable manner, it requires faith. There's a continued hope against the hopelessness perhaps during the whole week. Six days of hopelessness in a barren wilderness, a mountain of opposition against us can be all brought down on Sunday. On a day typically set aside to seek the Lord. Or it may happen on a Monday morning because that is the power of God's word, power of his promise, that despair flees when we look to God, who is the God of hope and the God of faith. Hallelujah. God speaks before things happen and they happen. We're called to believe the God who can speak things into existence that are not there. When opposite things are there, God can bring his promise to pass in our lives. And so hope is renewed and faith is renewed when we come together before the presence of Almighty God and there's a supernatural transfer download exchange that occurs in the presence of God which can transform not only our outlook and give us hope but actually alters circumstances as our faith grows in the God who can do the impossible. Hallelujah. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The fact of history, the fact of creation, we look at them and we look back and we understand all of this came because of a creator who designed it. And carefully and with great care and love and compassion prepared everything for a definite purpose to show forth his glory and to be a blessing to his creation particularly the only ones that he made in his own image the human race, us. By faith we understand. God made everything. We ought to worship Him. By faith we understand that He can bring things into existence. He can create a brand new world for us. A world of existence, opportunities, transformation, metamorphosis, same God who created the universe. And the micro-universe can create a universe for us full of character-building prosperity. Hallelujah. I can trust God for healing. I can trust God to mend relationships that are broken. I can trust God to reverse financial setbacks. I can trust the Lord to give me a sense of purpose and meaning in life and worth. And everything seems to be taken out of me. And I feel like a hot air balloon that's lost all its air. Have you ever been there? You feel that it's just no use. It's hopeless. If you're hearing this message this morning, 
God is saying, if you keep your eyes on me, I can not only bring hope, but also faith that is resting on a firm foundation, the Word of God. If faith is a structure, the very foundation is the Word of God. God's promise to each and every one of his children. When the enemy comes, the devil comes howling with thoughts of condemnation. Thoughts of despair and depression and fear. Suicidal tendencies. All kinds of things can happen to a human being. We're very fragile people. But our God is almighty. And if we lean upon him, the fragility will be overtaken by his power, strength. Faith is understanding God's infinite power, his creative abilities to make the impossible happen. When we look at the universe, we see things are impossible. No matter how much physics, chemistry, biology, one tries to apply to understand the universe, many times, even the most learned minds are at a loss to explain much of the phenomena that they observe. Although they tried to place logical constructs as to why and by what principle and by what law, physical law or laws, something exists or operates. The creation of it, the origin of it, and the mechanization of the processes and the production from the cellular level to the level of the constellations, the stars giving off various degrees of light, and the energy and the sounds that they emit. Man can only observe and try to construct a logical flow in order to understand further. But man will forever be trying to discover what the King of Kings has already made. But revelation comes to give a person faith that solves all the problems. That many things cannot be understood. And we rest in the knowledge that God is compassionate, all-powerful, what he did in the universe and what he continues to do to maintain it, upholding it, as it's written in the book of Colossians, by the word of his power, the same God who's done this work in creation, verse 3, can do mighty things, as we see in the verses following our lives personally by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain God had respect unto Abel's offering because Abel had respect for the presence of God and the character of God the person of God Cain didn't respect God the way Abel did otherwise he would have brought a better gift It's not so much in the substance, but in the offering of it. The attitude from the heart. Genuinely worshipping God. And bringing the best. Because the understanding is, for the true worshipper, God is the almighty 
I must give him my all. To give anything less than my best is to bring God's glory down as not having that much value. It's akin to blasphemy. But if I come and I check my attitude and see whether I'm giving my best to God and then ask for his help if I've faltered and determine never to do it again give the best God is a forgiving God unfortunately Cain did not receive the grace of God when God came and gently told him if you would have done the right thing if you'd have done well. You'd be accepted just like your brother, but sin is at the door and it's looking to master you. You have to overcome it. Master it. It just flew right over his head. He refused to receive that. He was stuck on, I messed up, and I'm not willing to change. How horrible such an attitude is that a human being can have and many people have it today is this what God says about me and this is what he has declared I'm not in good terms with him well so be it I'm not in good terms with him I will go my own way because I'm not in good terms with God God said so so I'm going this way refusing to understand and hear the rest of what God says because I love you I came and told you you're not doing right. So change and come with me. Return. But the devil has taken them off on a ride, thinking that they can go to another land like Cain did and establish a civilization that would eventually turn out to be a Tower of Babel, incurring the wrath of God, leading to confusion. Instead, he should have humbled himself and said, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for bringing something less than what you deserve. Oh God, what demon has gotten into me that I've done this? That same serpent that deceived my mother, he must have been at work to make me think God is cheap. Forgive me, God. I made the same mistake my mother did. He could have said that. God would have forgiven him. He's such a gracious God. And he could have said, Lord, I'm going to do it right. Wouldn't God have accepted him? How many times have we come to God and faltered, failed miserably and rejected his commandment and his grace and did horrible things? And how many times did God take us back? God is still the same yesterday, today and forever. It's time to evaluate what I do for God and how I bring it to God, what my attitude is, and whether I'm still stuck on pleasing people and myself above God, or is everything geared toward, Father, what pleases you? Have I ever thought of what pleases you? What do you like? And is this acceptable to you? That's the essence of genuine fellowship with God looking to God and receiving his counsel and then rearranging our own approach to God reprioritizing and asking God to help us understand his way in every area of our lives If I'm supposed to be true to God, then I ought to check whether I'm bringing my best to God. If you're unmuted, please just mute your lines. Someone's unmuted there. It's for my advantage, for my benefit, for each of us here 
on the morning call, each and every single one of us, to say, Lord, am I bringing my best to you? And how do I settle for less than the best? When it comes to worshipping you and offering you anything, it's possible to lower my appreciation of God directly reflected in the way I offer my praise and worship in anything and everything. I want to get out of that mold and I don't want to go back and forth. So I want to look at the scriptures and I don't want to make the mistake Cain did, not only in murder of his brother, but the way he came before that. What led to murder was that jealousy, anger, hatred, which was preceded by not honoring God. Hence we see the vast damage that can occur anytime we dishonor God. It may be in a small thing. It may be very private. No one knows about it. We think no one will get affected. But when we dishonor God, we begin to act dishonorably in general. And the door is open because if God is life, the alternative to life is death. And if I walk away from God or I don't do my best for God, I'm inviting death and decay. We need to be alert and aware that we always choose life. And the way we choose life is by listening to what God said and listening to godly counsel when it comes. Someone may be inviting a friend or a brother or sister to fellowship in a place like this where God is honored and His Word is held up, highly esteemed. can be anywhere in the world. There are people who are really seeking God and God is really speaking in their midst and doing great and mighty things. A friend may invite another friend. The other friend may come and then walk right out and say, it's not for me. Whatever reason, whatever alibi, whatever excuse, Why is that preacher talking about me? And where's the grace and love? All I hear is condemnation. In that skewed perception offered by the devil, they run with that. And they run out into the darkness. And the alternative to life, which is in the presence of God, is death. And no wonder they go downhill. And another person may come and stay for a half the meeting and then take off. Not because they had an emergency or they had something they couldn't avoid, but simply because they couldn't take it. They became agitated and they became all kind of feelings took over and the devil said, I told you it's not for you. I told you. I told you. It's going to make you sick. Leave so you can have some peace. False peace. Before you know it, they're in a dire predicament, wondering what happened. What happened was when we leave the presence of God, the alternative is death. If you leave life, death is the result. And yet there are others who may come for the whole meeting, the whole service, and then they play peekaboo with God now you see me, now you don't. They come for two meetings, maybe three. Miss the fourth, come for the seventh. Miss the fifth and sixth, of course. And then wonder why things aren't working out. Because you fellowship with life part-time. And a part-time Christian or a part-time worshiper, part-time seeker of God, 
he becomes a full-time hypocrite. As I mentioned the other day, that slide that one goes down merrily, thinking that every time they land on firm ground, because of the backsliding and the strongly opinionated self-scheduled lifestyle where that person is the boss. I pick and choose what I want to do when I want to do. You can't tell me when to come to church and when not to come to church. You can't tell me where to go, where not to go. You can't tell me how to worship. You can't, you can't, you can't. You cannot tell me anything. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. An independent person from God whose life will end up like Eve, fall into death. The message is not only for those who are playing games with God, but for us who are seeking to help others to understand that we need to be alert and think clearly and know that the person is choosing death when they play games with God. When they're in a predicament, if we run to give them a band-aid and a hug and a kiss and a phone call and feel sorry for them without giving them the truth in love, then we will actually perpetuate their downward spiral. Perhaps to a point of no return. That's the danger of, uh, quote-unquote, Christianity, loving Christianity without the truth. It's not real Christianity. We must be able to convey in love the truth to that person. You consistently choose death. And when they retort, how do you say I choose death? I'm reading my Bible. I'm listening to the worship music. I'm watching sermons. Well, if God's presence is in a place evidenced by, as Jesus told John the Baptist, go tell him. And the disciples of John the Baptist came and said, are you the one John is asking? He said, go tell him what's happening. People are getting healed. God's kingdom has come down. If such a place is there and it's getting too hot for me, shouldn't I, shouldn't I investigate not only my attitude but my spiritual state? And come to God and say, fix me, Lord, something's wrong. If life is here and I'm running from life, courting death, I must be sick. Help me, Lord. Lord. And if my friends and my brothers and sisters are saying, stay here, come here, don't leave. And I resist that. I must be deluded. God, help me. I don't want this. Know this, anytime the devil tries to drive you away or drive your friends away from the presence of God, evidenced by the healings and the miracles and the word of God and the word of prophecy that is verified to be accurate, my God, he's in this house. He's in this church, he's in this ministry. That means anyone who comes and has a sour taste in his or her mouth, being in God's presence, is in fellowship with the devil. There's no middle ground. If uh, Jesus is preaching by the seaside, the word is penetrating into thousands of people, and healings are happening, and a group comes in and begins to badmouth Jesus and discourage the people and try to turn the people against Jesus. Who does he think he is? Look at him telling us what to do. I know some of you say he's speaking with authority, but who gave him that authority? I think he's just taken it upon himself. Let's get out of here. Go someplace else where we can sit down and have table talk, coffee talk. 
We can all chime in our opinions and have a nice worship time and go home unchanged. That's the spirit of death that's come in. And it can't take life, so it goes out and wants to drag others with it. Now, if in the case of the Apostle Paul, signs and wonders are happening and the man is preaching filled with the Holy Spirit, there comes in these people in factions who say, who does he think he is? What, he's the only one that has miraculous powers and gifts? He's the only one that can preach? I read the Bible, I know what to do. He's the only one that can pray? Diabolically bringing suspicion, unjustified suspicion, evil suspicion as the Bible calls it. Rallying people, demonic spirits against who? The anointing of God, the Spirit of God working through Paul. If life is happening where Paul is, that means people who can't take Paul's presence indwelt by the Holy Spirit, working wonders and speaking the word, word boldly with clarity, opening eyes, then death is calling those people who are walking away. There's no middle ground. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be your family. It can be your extended relatives. It can be your friends. It can be your neighbors. It can be other pastors. We have witnessed those things. We have witnessed ministry leaders who have come and felt the presence of God. Glory in it and become subdued by it and yield to it and go away blessed tremendously and tell others about it so they can be blessed. We've also witnessed even ministers of the gospel become very, very jealous and angry, disturbed and finding fault with what God is doing, speaking against His presence. If we know this to be true, showing that people who court death lack faith, have rejected faith, then should we feel sorry for someone who keeps trampling underfoot the blood of the Son of God or the Son of God? Isn't that what someone is doing when you invite them to the presence of God and they have excuse after excuse and even after tasting the presence of God, walk out thinking that I'm my own person, take that, preacher, church people, I have better places to go to. End up in trouble. You have to prayerfully and lovingly but firmly tell them, you chose death. God's presence is here. Whatever excuse they have, we have the answers now. How do you know it's God's presence? What is the difference? Do you even know? Do you know your Bible? Do you know what Jesus said? Do you know what Paul said? What the Holy Spirit spoke? Do you know how to discern? Do you know how to speak up? And tell people, wherever God is working, manifested by the truth, holy living, humility, honesty, and love, and miraculous signs and wonders, all pointing to Jesus Christ, to a life of close discipleship and preparation for the bridegroom from heaven. That's how you know God is working and He's present. If so, and you leave, doesn't it mean that you're following the devil? Isn't that why you're in trouble? How long will you keep crying and blame every person other than yourself? And how many people will rush to aid that person and comfort them in their rebellion and thinking they're being very good Christians by courting disaster for their friend? Instead of telling them, listen, if you continue this yo-yo business, playing peekaboo with God, running from the presence of God, you may not make it back like Jonah did. He repented. Did you repent? You could very well get to a point of no return. Wake up. Oh, you're so harsh. You're so mean. I, that's all I need. While I'm going through my difficulties and my troubles and my sorrow and my misery... I need another Christian to come and condemn me. 
Go ahead, drive the nail deeper. Satan knows exactly how to reply to many things. But God always outwits the devil. If you're following, if we're following the Lord, we're walking in the truth, and we're seeking God for every move that we make, God will give us the words to speak at the right time. Apples of gold in settings of silver, as we read in the book of Proverbs. A word in season. Would to God that people will stand up in love, but speak the truth that can shock somebody out of their foolishness many times, that leads them back to the same old thing, could very well be the end of them. We don't want anyone's blood on our hands. We want God to direct our paths, to speak exactly what we need to, and never feel guilty. Never let the devil put a guilt trip on you because you spoke the truth in love. He's a master at manipulating feelings and then connecting people with similar feelings. They can all feel like they're supported while they're not even doing what God said to do. Love without truth is actually hatred. Truth without love is actually a lie. By faith, we can also trust this morning as we close. Not only I look up and I look around me and see what a wonderful almighty God we serve. And if I have the opportunity, as we did when we ministered in California, to go to one of the places that were uh, highlighted for being a great observatory with a very powerful telescope. You can actually see some of the celestial bodies very close up. You have to climb up on a little ladder, some steps. You can know that God made that too. He made everything. I'm in awe of the Creator. I believe by faith things that are visible were made by things that are invisible. My God was a spirit. I can also believe, secondly, that God would do the impossible for me. He can bring me healing to my soul, to my mind, to my body. He can direct me to outwit the devil, to be shrewder than the serpent. Shrewder than the serpent where God would make me come out with maximum spoil, like he did the Israelites when they left Egypt. God can do a miracle for me. By faith, I believe, the same God who did the miraculous creation can work miracles in my life. He has, and I'm going to believe him for bigger things because he's a big God. Hallelujah. You see, all of this is undergirded by a humble, honest, holy, loving life. There are many people who say, I serve a big God. You don't know the God I serve, but their lives are anything but holy, anything but humble, anything but honest, anything but full of said loving kindness. Just a lot of hot air. But when we believe God, because we're following God, our words have meaning and they have power. Then I can say with David, I have believed, therefore I have spoken. And Jesus said, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, move and it will move. It's undergirded by a close, tight fellowship walk with God. Intimate, loving, honest, humble, holy communion with God. Oh, what a powerful life. Thirdly, the faith can help me to become smart or wise in God's eyes. Where I no longer go by my wishy-washy, lovey-dovey feelings, 
that are humanistic at best, satanic. The truth be told, because instead of helping people, that kind of love like Peter had can prevent God's plan from being accomplished. But if I trust God when I ask Him, Lord, give me wisdom, Lord. Lord, let me never be the cause of causing someone to stumble or coddling them in their rebellion because of friendly love. Oh, let agape always replace phileo and false phileo, that brotherly love or the human love, that God's love filled with truth always guide my actions, my conversations, my counsel. and my communion, my fellowship with anyone and everyone. That's why the Apostle Paul could not be deceived by the devil. He maintained a holy walk, a humble walk, heart full of love, and he was honest. And he believed that the God who made all the worlds and everything I see is the God who's opening the door for me. And he's also the God who's given me wisdom that can catch that crafty devil that tries to influence my feelings, makes me pick up the phone and call someone when I shouldn't because of love, Christian attitude and serving my brother, my sister. When they're in rebellion, when God doesn't want me to, I need to be able to know the difference. God may have a person pick up the phone and call the person that nobody wants to call. Even other Christians and ministry leaders. Because one is walking with God so closely, that call will become effective in actually turning that person away from error back to life, away from death, back to life. Rather than trial and error, and I want to do something different, oh, all those people don't like you, I'll be the one to be the hero. Let me call. How are you feeling? Before you know it, you're drawn into that satanic spell. It's a very real tragedy, real danger. Faith will listen to God and expect God to lead and follow God is leading. And hence faith can make one wise. Wiser than the serpent, the devil. I've often seen that in action in Pascal's uh, life for a long time. Where I've seen love that I haven't seen before. Truth be told. And I've actually told her that over the years. Just expend every ounce of energy in helping someone who actually may be very rude and even seeking harm to her. Because the Holy Spirit will show her that person needs to be set free and she will pursue them in love and I'll see the person get set free. Knowing that it's the Holy Spirit who gave her those emotions let her. At the same time, while lovingly talking and gently, suddenly the Holy Spirit will work through her to catch that person in the hypocrisy. They'll be cornered. And many times I've seen people repent because they knew to not listen would be fighting against God himself few cases turned out tragic but it was their choice but the point is that when we have faith that God will lead me and I have the faith to wait and listen God can use me effectively I don't have to be like the other mushy crowd who talk about God but it's mainly trial and error in my feelings Gut feelings are not always from God. 
The devil can give gut feelings too. Isn't that so? Because even the conscience can be seared. The very mechanism and the ability that God gives to be able to know right from wrong, that can be completely skewed and overrun by the devil, by a person who is not wise enough to spend time with God and wait. Then how much more so could my judgment and other things be skewed through, quote-unquote, gut feelings? We need to walk wisely. We need to know I'm a big zero without God, my hero. I really need to grow. The more mature believers become in Jesus Christ, the more potent and powerful that body of Christ will be. To detect like a laser, or a radar, I should say, and every little serpent that tries to come in, or big serpent, drive it out immediately. Paul had to ask the Corinthian believers, is not even one person wise among you? When, I, when we read these things, we have to understand the Spirit of God speaking to us. Why does he say this? Why does he call some people foolish? That's not loving. Yes, it is loving. It's most loving. Because God exposes the things that are hindering his kingdom, hindering our own growth, and our effective stumbling blocks for our brothers and sisters. We need a shock. And you know what? A true prophet and a prophetess will provide the shock necessary from God. To do what? To kill someone? No, to wake them up. To keep them from being killed and rather to thrive, walking circumspectly, wisely, prudently, prosperously and waking other people up. Faith is not only looking up and around and within to see the marvelous creation of God, but faith is also knowing God will do a miracle for me in my circumstances that seem to be impossible. Against hope, I believe in God's word. Faith is working. God will bring it to pass. And also this other thing of discernment. People drop words all the time. These uh, words that are in vogue. Discerning spirit. I need discernment. I need wisdom. Character. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the right definitions, the full definitions. And then embrace it. Let it be burned into our hearts and then Seek maturity. And part of maturity is speaking less and listening more. Being alone with God more. There's no substitute for that. We know in our lives, anytime the word of God gets crowded out or our time with God, things start changing in our attitudes, in our behavior, in our reactions to things and we can become scattered and become doubtful and feel like a mess and feel depressed and feel all kinds of things. But if we say, Lord, this is a staple in my life. I have to, I have to, I have to spend more time with you so my faith can grow, trusting you for everything truly. And I want to stay that way. And Lord, I need discernment to be a blessing to people, to alert them to the things of God, to be effective in provoking them to good works and to pursue you even more and never be a stumbling block. If we believe what God says he can do, then we ought to go and ask him and then trust him that there will be a mighty change in our entire understanding of this faith walk and the way we relate to people in the body of Christ and people outside of the body of Christ. In a way, like Jesus did, a very counterintuitive by most people's standards, most Christians, that's how the Lord operated. And that's how the Apostle Paul operated. And that's how every true prophet and prophetess and every true 
man of God, woman of God, every true Christian would want to operate by the Spirit of God because that will serve to shock people out of their death sleep at the same time soothe like a healing bomb those who have been shattered by the devil bring healing shall we pray thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord we need you we need you we need you thank you Jesus we praise you Lord Father oh direct our steps that we become a blessing more and more Lord by listening to your counsel Lord and leaving our opinions and even our gut feelings Lord knowing that we can be deceived by many things our one hope is in your word what you promised and in spending time in your presence so that we can be able to pick up the communication from heaven moment by moment thank you Lord thank you Lord Father I pray for healing Lord Lord for Jesse Lord he is a God who does the impossible Lord even as Pastor when I prayed a little while ago you are powerful Lord to heal and restore Jesse Lord thank you Jesus just as you're powerful to heal and restore Samuel and heal and restore Lord Esther what she's going through and Lord heal and restore Mike and Heidi Lord and Phil and Suzanne Mimi Lord you are all powerful Lord to heal Becky Lord thank you for leading step by step in every perfect way Lord that you've ordained for each of us thank you Lord for healing Jenny comforting her Lord you're the God of healing and thank you Lord for healing Lord others Lord who have wounds in their hearts Lord I pray that you touch them Jesus and lift them out of the pain Lord now this Lord who may have not given right counsel or approached people correctly Lord as you would have wanted them to because they didn't know or they didn't wait to hear from you Lord I pray that you sharpen their understanding I pray that no one would overstep their boundaries that you set Lord everyone remain humble and honest and holy and full of your love listening to you and be a people who build the kingdom of God I thank you Lord that these opening verses of Hebrews 11 we see the power of faith the power of trusting in the living God the power of believing your word it becomes righteousness to us through the shed blood of Jesus and a potent force to keep us on track to heaven and give us that pulling power to bring others onto this track this path hallelujah thank you Lord whatever you've spoken to each of us Lord that we needed to hear help us to buy it to take it and not sell it in Jesus name I thank you Amen